You're listening to a podcast from the Cinema Geekly Podcast Network. We're the geeks you deserve and the ones you need right now. Episode of what comes next, Cinema Geekly's NXT companion podcast. It's Anthony and Jacqueline back talking more NXT on the WWE Network and Hulu. Uh, we got a couple things to talk about this week, Jacqueline. Uh, yeah. We are still in the high 480s, believe it or not. Really? I did some double checking. The episode, okay. we're going to talk about episode 486 of NXT. And oh, okay. We are going to talk about NXT UK Takeover Blackpool, which is a very long name for a show. It, well, UK Takeover One. Yeah, I mean, I'm just okay calling it Takeover Blackpool. Everybody will know yeah. if it's a if it's a, some sort of city you've never heard of before. Chances are it was a UK show. Everybody, especially if there's a pool at the end. Yes, yes, or a or a sure. Yep. Like Lancashire, or. Yep. A, Something along those lines. Then you'll know for <laughs> then you'll know for sure, pun intended. Sure. Uh-huh. Uh, lots of sures <laughs> uh, that took place in the UK. Uh, so instead, let's talk about the show that happened first, uh, our NXT show, uh, Yay! which was double main evented with uh, mm-hmm. some matches we've seen before. But these people needed to lose and get written off of television, uh, Jack, yep. officially, so this way they could. At least as best as my ears describe, or as I heard through my ears, uh, many of these people awkwardly debuted on Monday. Uh, yes. I heard Nikki Cross wrestled a match, but I heard everybody else made just weird mm. backstage cameos or something. Like, they just appeared. Oh, really? Yes. I hadn't heard that, but I I did hear that they're doing double duty on the shows until for a little while until they get, like, officially assigned. I don't know. Ah, yeah, because Nikki Cross shouldn't be on Raw. She should be on SmackDown with the rest of the sanity yeah. guys because that makes the most sense and a whole scotland versus ireland thing with becky lynch duh yeah of course <laughs> those islands hate each other they do all those islands really aren't all that friendly but uh well they, they have friendly <laughs> rivalries it's not like they're about to do battle with one another but frenemies uh, they're frenemies for sure uh they they have a long history let's just say that yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh this episode of nxt opened with Johnny Gargano coming out to the ring. Uh, He wished everyone a happy new year. I don't know if anybody bothered telling him that it's a a little late for the new year's wishes, but um, maybe it was Johnny Gargano. He does what he wants. Yeah. Maybe, you know what? Maybe this was the first chance he had to wish anybody a a happy new year. (laughs) Uh, He admitted that his 2018 was a bit of a roller coaster, uh, Mm -hmm. but he says 2019 is going to be better. He says that he knows what it's all about. It's about wins and championships. Which, by the way, 
is so lovely to hear a WWE wrestling company say that those are the most important things. <laughs> I hope... Like they just own it about themselves? <laughs> yes. I mean, during the UK takeover, the fans were singing a song asking Vince McMahon if he was watching. You know, really? Yes. Oh, I can't wait to get into that. So as, so as if to suggest that perhaps this is how it should be done, Vince. Are you watching? <laughs> I hope he was watching Johnny Gargano talk about how the most important things to a wrestler is wins and championships. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he talked about how important this was. Uh, he brought up Tommaso Ciampa, but then the crowd started chanting DIY at him. Uh, oh, yeah. And then Johnny got a little mad. He said, look, that thing that happened in the cage, it meant nothing to him. It was a one-night stand he had with Ciampa, essentially, Jacqueline. Mm-mm. He still that ca- doesn't die. Those are feelings, Johnny. <laughs> Embrace them. He called Ciampa a piece of trash. He still wants his title. But he said, speaking of titles, he was listening when Gargano, or when Ciampa mentioned the North American Championship. Uh, and he really thinks that, you know what? Not a bad idea. Uh, that uh, he should go for this title. This prompts Ricochet to come out, and he tells Johnny Gargano that if he wants a match, all he had to do was ask. Right. Uh, he wanted to know if Johnny was going to face him mano y mano, face him face to face, or if he was going to jump him in the back in a parking lot or something. Oh. Yeah. Johnny, Johnny Gargano is very impressionable. If all it took was Tommaso Ciampa saying one time to go after this. Yes. I mean, Ciampa <laughs> came out, I mean, Ciampa came out here while these two were bickering. Oh, yeah. And he started to speak, but Gargano shut him down right away. Mm-hmm. And then Alistair Black's theme played. And then Alistair Black was on the video screen where he uh, threatened Ciampa. Uh, some words were dispersed, but then the lights went out again. And when they came back on, Black was standing behind Ciampa and uh, they fought each other. Uh, I, I think they cleared out the announce table. Uh, oh, yeah. When Ciampa went near the, the table, I just <clears throat> was worried for Morrow's life because we know how much Ciampa hates him. Me too. I was like, oh, no, he's going to throw something at him like Aleister Black. Like, Yes. Yeah. So while, while this fight was occurring, uh, they fought to the back. Uh, Ricochet was distracted watching this fight. And then Johnny Gargano super kicked Ricochet with a cheap shot and laid him out. Yeah. Yeah. So that's like the ultimate tell of a heel, right? Like, Yeah, I mean, a good guy wouldn't do this. Yeah. It's very true. Johnny is still a fairly conflicted character, so... He is. And and I, I can't let this opportunity pass mm-hmm. to call out how dapper Ricochet looked. His right? suit with his button-down shirt with little butterflies on the collar. I was oh, like, yeah. I was like, are those his clothes? Because he knows how to dress. Mm-hmm. Sharp dresser. Very much so. I'm impressed, Ricochet. <laughs> He's gotten points from us on this one. Style points. Uh, later in the show, Kathy Kelly catches up with Ricochet to get to, uh, get his thoughts on Johnny's cheap shot. And uh, Ricochet cuts a brief promo on Johnny as their TakeOver Phoenix match is now all but official. Uh, and he yep. wants this match just for the sake of revenge. I don't want him to go in like that, though, because revenge matches never work. 
Yeah, you get you can't you know if you're going in for the revenge thing, you got to dig two graves: one for the guy you're going to get revenge on, one for yourself. I think is how the old right. saying goes. Right. So you got to go in with a with a confident mind and heart, Ricochet. Come mm. on now, keep it together. Uh, speaking of the grudge matches, Nikki Cross <laughs> and Bianca Belair in the opening match. Uh, these two obviously have had their battles. Uh, yeah. I think this may have been the best match that they had actually I, I really like this one quite a bit it was very good it was long too like yeah. much longer than their other ones yeah they went a while and they, I love d- they did some callbacks uh mm-hmm. like uh bianca slamming nikki onto the uh the right. ramp which i think ended mm-hmm. uh i think it resulted in one of the match finishes last time a count out or a double count out or something yeah uh, yeah so a lot of back and forth and uh, for the finish, Nikki Cross missed uh, a crossbody, and Bianca delivered uh, the KOD and uh, picked up the win. So Bianca clearly getting the momentum heading into her title match, and okay. uh, Nikki uh, suffered defeat, as often happens for somebody on the way out. Uh, the Performance mm-hmm. Center YouTube channel actually released a very sweet video about Nikki Cross's last day in NXT where yeah where brace yourself because a lot of it is spent with her talking out of character uh about it so she's not being crazy and wild the whole time but wow um she very much loved this place and this was her home for a couple of years and she was sad to go but obviously hopefully bigger things Mm -hmm. on the horizon for her but we will see I hope she doesn't. I hope she doesn't fade into obscurity. So, because I think they can do a lot of good things with her. Like Ember Moon, I feel like is not well used either. So I hope that they overcome that at all. Yes. Uh, the Street Profits, Jacqueline, talking about oh, well dressed men. Oh my gosh! Montez Ford in this video. Uh, mm-hmm. We've got. We've got Angelo Dawkins beatboxing and Montez Ford freestyling. They're talking mm-hmm. about how 2018 was a bunch of locked doors as they go constantly trying to open these doors to these local businesses, and they are all locked until they reach the final door, which is open, and they are so excited because, you know, this means even though they're, they encountered a lot of locked doors in 2018, they're going to open doors in 2019, which I presume means... Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is their way of saying it's going to be the Street Profits year in 2019. Yes. And then, Jacqueline, they weirdly kind of just run away and the camera follows them and catches up to them. It feels yeah. like this would have been an outtake, but they thought it was so funny that they left it in. Yeah, it's true. So, But I love them. and I'm so, they have, We haven't seen them in a long time because they're defending their titles at, what is it, Evolve? Is that right? Evolve, Where yes. They, yeah, they, so... Um, I'm excited that they're going to be back on TV soon. And um, who? It's Montez Ford is the one that does all the flips, and Angelo Dawkins is the one that looks li- that wears like the old school wrestling outfit. Yeah, Angelo is the one who who has the headbands and and constantly makes a stirring motion uh, for each. Okay. Talk. Yes. I gotta say though, Angelo looks fitter. Not that he wasn't always in good shape, but he looks like he's even mm-hmm. he's been working out even more and like. Yeah, he's looking good. Yeah, I was like, I am excited for these guys to come back because I love them. So, um, I can't wait. I'll tell you what I was excited about. 
Stanley Watts and Hector Koonsman versus Fabian Eichner and Marcel Bartel. Watts and Koonsman didn't even get entrance music, right? <laughs> Correct. And I, I think it was Watts who may have been the tiniest man I've ever seen. Yeah. <laughs> this man was so small. He makes Rey Mysterio look like Andre the Giant. Right. He makes Casey Catanzaro look like Rhea Ripley. This guy was so small. And Fabian Eichner goes to do like a pop-up powerbomb like Kevin Owens on this Watts guy. And he throws him so high into the air that the crowd oohed and odd just by the height (laughs) that he threw this man. It was... He almost threw him out of frame. It was tremendous. Yeah. Yeah, it was like watching someone throw, like, a baby up in the air. Yes! He, they were able to launch this man so high, I actually feared for his safety because, like, you know, the the control of, like, coming down and catching them and stuff. Usually, like, when Kevin Owens does his pop-up powerbomb, he does throw the guy up into the air, but not quite that high. Yeah. High enough that it's impressive, but... Yeah. Not dangerous. (laughs) No! I think they underestimated uh, how little this man weighed. And when he threw them threw him yeah. up into the air, yeah, he almost just floated into space, Jacqueline. <laughs> he was just not coming down after a little while. Yeah, I think Stanley Watts might be operating on moon gravity and not earth gravity. Yeah. Um, he actually, you know what? He actually wasn't too bad, though, that Stanley Watts guy. They gave him some offense. Uh, yes. This wasn't, I feel like... Um, Normally, I'm not okay with these these squash match guys getting, like, a 50-50 offense. Usually, the stars are supposed to kill them. But, yeah. weirdly enough, Nigel McGuinness, I think it was on commentary or something, was talking about how, like, these guys feel like they've really stepped up their game or improved or something, and they want to... They want to impress the people in NXT to maybe get a contract. There was some weird Uh backstory that he provided, which kind of (laughs) makes it okay that they did. They got a little bit of offense in because, you know, they've been training. Yes, they're trying to to impress their, you know, the higher ups there. Uh, For Stanley Watts in the future, uh, I would suggest leg weights or ankle weights (laughs) to perhaps make it so he's less tossable in the future because... Outside of Watts and Koonsman getting in some offense, uh, the finish saw Fabian Eichner pick up Watts for a powerbomb. The finish of Eichner and Bartel is Eichner picks up a guy for a powerbomb and then throws him into Bartel, who catches them in a German suplex. And he launched Stanley Watts high into the air, so high that Bartel had to delay his German suplex to make sure that he could catch him and drop him. Yeah. Uh, And they won this match, but... This yeah. was this was actually a lot of fun. This wasn't boring, mostly no, because it was not. just fun. I mean, imagine Watts in there with like, I mean, Eichner and Bartel are not huge men. Like, I'm just trying to picture like a Watts versus Keith Lee match. What s- about Dijakovic? Oh, he's Dijak- like super tall. Dijakovic, yes. That's it. Oh, that, that name. Um. <laughs> But yeah, that was fun. That was a. That it wasn't was, bad. A fun match. Um, fun match. Backstage, Keith Lee was asked about Cassius Ono's attack on Matt Riddle. I think oh. coming from any other person, 
I would have been like, that's a weird response. But for some reason, when Keith Lee said he found it unsettling, that I just, he says, bask in my glory. Of course, he'd say things like, I found it unsettling. But yeah. he wants a match with Cassius Ono to teach him some respect. So mm-hmm. hopefully we'll see if that happens. Do we think it's going to be a tag match? Matt Riddle, and Keith Lee versus Cassius Ono, and who's the other guy that we hate? Oh, Kona Reeves? Yes. <laughs> oh, man, what a team that would be. Because tell me that wouldn't be great to watch. <laughs> Actually, I probably would enjoy that. Yeah, see? I would, I need, yeah, I need to see Matt Riddle kind of take apart uh, Kona Reeves. That would be, yes. that would be a good time. We uh, all need to see that. <laughs> uh, Adam Cole. Bebe and EC3 uh, in the main event. Uh, So, uh, this was EC3 swan song. Mm -hmm. And I think some things actually, you know what? Uh, Well, there is something that happens at the end of the match, but it, it was weirdly spoiled. I don't know if you caught it. So, they have a match. It's okay. Uh, Back and forth. All of that stuff. Uh, Undisputed Era tries to interfere. Uh, Obviously. Yes. Weirdly, Uh, too. Like, it wasn't even well, like, calculated by some of them. (laughs) Yes. Uh, Bobby Fish caused a distraction while Roderick Strong and Kyle O'Reilly jumped EC3. Uh, EC3 Mm -hmm. made his own comeback against these guys. However, uh, once he was done disposing of the Undisputed Era, he turned around and got a super kick from Cole. Cole gave him the last shot and scored the pin. Uh, then Undisputed Era ganged up on EC3 after the match when War Raiders returned to television and Woo-hoo! made the save, and they beat up, these two men beat up all four men in Undisputed Era. Right, because uh, they can. If anyone can, mm-hmm. it's like those guys. They crushed these guys, uh, and then they stood tall uh, to end the show. But weirdly enough, earlier in the show, I don't know if you caught this, I don't know if it was in between matches or during a match, but Mauro Ronaldo specifically states that um, Undisputed Era is defending the tag titles against War Raiders in Phoenix. And this was before the War Raiders had made their television return. Oh. So I think maybe they placed a segment out of order. Probably. So... Uh, oops in the continuity department there because um, I'm like well wait a minute they haven't even been back on TV like they got a match I was, oh I do remember that because I was like oh they're cleared again they're not hurt yeah and then they showed up at the end and I'm like oh well yeah. that all makes sense now yeah it does and then I can't wait for the street profits to be in on it yeah, yeah. they'll be there for sure they'll be in the mix uh, I'm excited. As they say. So what did you think of uh, this week's episode of NXT? It was okay. Um, not my favorite. Um, no. I will say I thought I thought the opening and the um, Bianca Belair-Nikki cross match, I thought it was like it was going really well. The Nikki um, and Bianca match kind of had some ups and downs for me, but like towards the end it got super exciting. So I was like mm-hmm. brought into it. Yes. But I feel like it kind of went like downhill, like kind of like a womp womp ending. Um, yeah. So, I mean, it's like probably right in the middle for me, like like a solid like two and a half, two, seven, five. Like it's. Okay. I gave yeah. it, a, yeah, I gave it a three. Uh, I like the yeah. 
for me, the Nikki Cross, uh, the Nikki Cross Bianca Belair match was the best match on the show. Um, Agreed. It wasn't blow away, but I really liked the opening mm-hmm. segment as well. The Street Profits were entertaining. Uh, they always are in their segment. Yeah, so I, I think a solid three from me. But yeah, you know the thing that I'm interested the most about is this Bianca Shayna match. In a lot of ways, I'm curious because I still see Bianca. I I hope nobody takes this the wrong way because I think she has all of the tools. But sometimes mm-hmm. when I'm watching her, it feels like she's not quite as smooth or as fluid as some of the other girls. Obviously, that's because she's newer at this than a lot of other, the other girls. Yes. So at times I see hesitation or I can see like... Sometimes you can just see that look on her face, like, and you can see it on a lot of people's faces if they're particularly new, but like that look of, okay, what comes next? Right. Um, which you don't want to have. You want to make it look like it's, none of it is planned. Um, right. And the people, I mean, the people who've been doing it for a long time, they eventually get really good at doing that. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm not saying she's not ready for that spotlight yet. She has all the tools. I'm just curious to see uh, how much she steps up for it because it's a big platform. It is, and um, I, you know, I lo- and I like Sheena. Obviously, yep. I say it all the time. Um, but I'm curious to see how she does against someone who's not as well established. Like Kyrie was definitely an established wrestler. Like yep. she knew what she was doing. So it's going to be interesting to see that dynamic. Mm-hmm. Um, I also think that my reason for thinking that Shayna retains is that they have not built up this rivalry enough that if it, if yeah. Bianca wins it, I just don't like, it's almost like, wait, what happened now? Like Kyrie was just after it like two months ago. Like, no, you can't do this now. <laughs> yeah. So, they're really only going to get uh, two episodes to build it. I believe. Yeah. So, so, I, so I don't think she. I don't think Bianca will win it now, but I think they'll probably have a feud going until WrestleMania. Yeah, you know, at least. Okay, so before we talk about uh, NXT UK Takeover Blackpool, uh, mm-hmm. a thank you to the sponsors. That's a good time to throw that in here now. I guess good as time as any. Cinemageekly.com slash Adam Tickets or click the Adam Tickets link at the top of the page to pick yourself up some movie tickets or a gift card for the movie fan in your life. Uh, But for the wrestling fan in our lives, uh, it's time to talk about NXT UK TakeOver Blackpool, which uh, took place. uh, This is where they did the original UK championship tournament in Blackpool. Um what is this? The no, the the Olympia is in Liverpool. This was the uh, Empress Ballroom in Blackpool. This place is stunning. I love this it building. It's, it's beautiful. It's not particularly huge, uh, but they did pack quite a few people in there. It was sold out, and this was a lively crowd. Yes, this my crowd goodness. Is- Fantastic, and we've talked about it before that the UK fans are just like in it. Yes. Like when they were when they were saying Tyler Bates' name to the theme of like Saturday by Elton John. I think that's what was happening mm-hmm. in my head. That's how that went. Like brilliant. <laughs> uh, so yeah, they had an opening video that recapped the history of the NXT UK brand, essentially starting with the first championship tournament going through Pete Dunne's win of the title in 
Chicago mm-hmm. nearly two years ago at this point, um, mm-hmm. showing the UK guys showing up on other brands and in other shows, and then the mm-hmm. announcement of the formation of the NXT UK brand, and then the announcement of this show, which took us to the opening match, the finals of the NXT UK Tag Team Title Tournament. Uh, Grizzled Young Vets, James Drake and Zach Gibson against Tyler Bate and Trent Seven Mustache Mountain, who were wearing uh, British Bulldogs uh, inspired gear, which is if you're wondering why they were wearing tights with tights on top of it, uh, that was the the look du jour in the 1980s. So uh, it was an homage to that uh, to that team. Yeah, and they made several um, references to that. Nigel, I think, was talking about them quite a bit. Yeah, this match went 23 minutes. This crowd Ooh, was, wow. yeah, this crowd was buzzing from the get go. <laughs> like yes. they were dancing and singing. The crowd, like the camera, more than once panned out just to get the uh-huh. reaction of the crowd, who was just wild in this opening match. And they took their shoes off. They, so many people took their shoes off for <laughs> Zach Gibson. Yes. <laughs> they sang the Tyler Bates song. There was just, Ty- yeah, there was, there was a lot. I, I love it. Like, this crowd, I oh my gosh, these crowds are so fun. Like, I want to be there. Yeah. I don't even care who's wrestling. I just want to be there. Um, Tyler Bate was the star of this match. He's... Absolutely. He's incredible. He's... Mm-hmm scary to me because I think he's incredibly good right now. Uh, Like he should be, I think he should be in a promoted spot on the main roster right now. And he's just at the beginning of his career. Oh, he's a baby. He's like 22, 23. Yeah. uh, 20, maybe 20 or 21. Oh, he's even younger. Yeah. Yeah. When he won the UK title tournament, he was only 19. That's right. That's right. right. Uh, so yeah. And while I agree, I will say I give Trent Seven is that his name yes. a lot of credit because his head was bleeding. Oh yeah, he took it. James Drake uh, gave him an elbow and it clipped him a little too much on the back of the head. I, uh, like I was watching it, all of a sudden I'm like, is hair like dyed red in a weird spot? And I'm like, oh no, that's blood. That's blood. Uh, that's blood out of his hair. Yeah, and Trent Seven. Uh, is excellent was excellent in this match too because he had to do most of the selling uh mm-hmm. he wanted people to get sympathy for him and they wanted him to make that tag to Tyler and whenever he did they went the crowd went nuts uh yeah. two things that Tyler did one was very visually impressive and the other one was really impressive to me and Nigel McGuinness I think uh, when <laughs> Tyler did he was doing the the wrestler's bridge bridging out of a a pin um, you uh-huh. know, and then he, he backflips out of it while in the bridge though. So he's basically putting all of his weight onto his head and neck rolling back. He's not using his hands mm-hmm. to push him in the rollback, which is ridiculous. Uh, yeah. and Nigel, I lost my mind and Nigel McGinnis was losing his mind as well. He's like, you don't know how tough that is. Yeah. Unless you're a wrestler. <laughs> the other thing Tyler Bate did was doing an airplane spin, picking up both guys onto his shoulders. He's, yes, a, big, he's like, a big, strong boy. He really like he doesn't look that like he doesn't look that in that intimidating and that broad or whatever. But yeah. like, holy shit! It's the leg muscles. That yeah. man has like tree trunks. It's ridiculous. 
And this is why you shouldn't just work upper body weightlifters out there. Yeah, I know people hate leg day, but... No, leg day is the best day. It's worked out really good for Tyler in this case. You don't want to be a V. Uh, So they had a great back and forth. Uh, Both teams Mm -hmm. had had near falls that really had the crowd on the edge of their seat. Uh, A couple of times it seemed... I was positive that Mustache Mountain was winning this. A couple of times... Agreed. They really got me. Uh, mm-hmm. But at the end, uh, it was uh, James Drake doing a, a suicide dive onto Tyler Bate, who was on top of Zach Gibson's shoulders out on the floor. So mm-hmm. that was scary. He get, did like a suicide dive into him, which knocked uh, Tyler off of his shoulders onto the floor. And uh, then they hit uh, Gibson and Drake hit their double team on Trent. And Gibson and Drake won the titles and the crowd was very upset here. We were, I think we were all just very shocked that the favorites didn't get it. Yeah. Uh, I thought this was an excellent match, though. And yes. um, their their belts look really nice. I like the tag yeah. belts. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a belt nerd. Uh, so it's, <laughs> it's nice to see, as a kid who grew up watching it, like the belts really meant something in the, in the show. So they meant something to you as a fan. As Gargano mentioned in NXT this week. Yeah, the belts belts are important. (laughs) Um, They are. So, like, you could ask any wrestler, like, what's their favorite belt, and they'll have an answer for you. Um, That's crazy. Based off of, like, the design and the look, like, the one that they thought was the coolest. Hmm, Um, hmm. And there's a a bunch of them, but um, NXT has a good set of belts. They do. I like the North American one. Me too. The main roster has some work to do on their belts. Yeah, I tell you, I don't like, is it the SmackDown women's one? I don't like the white. You're not a fan of the, I'm not a fan of that design in general, just the big logo. I don't know. I don't, I just not a big fan. Yeah, I don't know. I just picture like a bunch of corporations logos in it. It's just weird to me. Mm -hmm. Like a big M for McDonald's or the Walmart thingy in there. I don't know. It just feels weird to me. Uh, I understand that. Anyway, uh, Sid Scala and Johnny Saint came out to congratulate the new champions, although neither of them looked particularly... I love that the good guy people in charge didn't look particularly happy that these jerks won the belts. They raised their hands because it was their job, but they weren't pleased to do it. Um, So up next, the Irish ace, Jordan Devlin, and the Kiwi buzzsaw, Travis Banks. Uh, They showed a video from the pre-show... Uh, with Travis Banks arriving at the building and Jordan Devlin attacked him in the back. Uh, but the announcers informed us that Banks was still cleared to compete. So uh, Banks comes out first, then Devlin, and Devlin is met by a suicide dive from Banks before the match could even start, and they were brawling everywhere. And uh, Devlin got the upper hand, kicking at his uh, knee and slamming him into the steps. And then a bunch of officials ran down and and stopped this madness. Uh, Banks now clearly too injured to compete. And Devlin getting into the ring saying it's perfect time for an interview with the Irish ace. Uh, He said he was the greatest Irish wrestler of all time. Which did not prompt Becky Lynch coming out, apparently. Uh, No. Not yet. No. Uh, Sid Scala and Johnny Saint came out, though, and... Uh, said that based off of uh, Devlin's actions earlier, 
they thought something like this might have happened uh, during the match. So they have a backup plan, Jacqueline, and this must have made you so happy. Oh, that Travis so unbelievably happy. Travis Banks' replacement was the NXT return of Finn Balor. I have not heard a reaction for somebody this loud in a long time. It was so loud. Right? Like, this crowd was ecstatic. And I gotta say, like, when the, when the lights went out and, like, the fire and all, I'm like, who wants, like, what's happening? Like, I got super excited and I wasn't even there. Mm-hmm. And then, then, like, the Baylor thing came up and I was like, oh, like, they mm-hmm. built this up so well. I think they do this so well in NXT. Like, like they really yes. know how to get it, get the crowd going. Um, so this was a surprise, obviously. Uh, Travis Banks is not hurt legitimately. They mm-hmm. just wanted to do something special for the show. Well, uh, apparently, didn't, weren't they open center in the UK? So a bunch of the WWE stars were there? Yes, like Charlotte they showed, was there. Um, Charlotte was there, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, that, that is news. They opened a performance center in London uh, mm-hmm. for all of the UK and European uh, wrestlers, uh, to train at. Um, so that's interesting news. I didn't actually know that was going to happen. So that was a surprise to me. Uh, but yeah, uh, after the show, Triple H in an interview stated that, um, Banks understood. He said he was a professional that, you know, Triple H wasn't a big fan of take, you know, he wasn't particularly gleeful about taking the spot away from him, but they Mm -hmm. thought this would be better for the overall show. And Banks understood that. Uh, and he said that the story between Devlin and Banks is obviously not done yet, and they're going to continue on. So good. Um, so yeah, Balor came out here. He was ridiculously over. Uh, these guys have oh, oh, a history. Oh, Go ahead. Can I just say one more thing about Finn Balor's entrance? Like sure. I'm, I was watching him, and now this guy had like no body fat to begin with. I don't yeah. know how, but somehow I think he has more like pecs on his abs now. Like, yeah, he's got he like more abs. He's got like somewhere between six and eight. Yeah, and I was like, that's like new though. Like, because I like I I watch enough wrestling to like understand like how most of them are built. Like EC three has slimmed down a little bit, like in a mm-hmm. good way. And I'm just like, oh my god, how did this happen? Like he had no way, no room for that to come out again. Like no more room yes. for muscles yes. on his abs. But apparently he does. He's anyway, finding he's finding space. Um, he is. So these two have a long history. There is some positive. Yeah. There's some positive to this match, but there's also a little bit of negative too, in some ways. Um, mm-hmm. So these guys are both from the same city, Bray, Ireland, mm-hmm. and Finn also trained Jordan Devlin. Yes, and Jordan Devlin kind of looks like him a little bit. Yes. They kind of, and when Devlin sort of debuted, people called him like Baby Balor and things like that. They would sing and chant and taunt him with with stuff about this. And in, since, like in the last year, he's really come out of that a little bit and sort oh, yeah, of but... and sort of made his own name. And there are people who are kind of worried that throwing him in here with. Finn and having Finn beat him will kind of reattach him to all of that after he's kind of worked to uh, separate himself to separate himself from it a little bit. So mm-hmm. I don't know if that'll happen. 
All I do know is that Finn Balor wrestled in here like I've not seen him wrestle in a long time, probably since being in NXT. Yeah. They, uh, they, it's almost like they get launched to like just do it. Yeah, he was doing moves that he hasn't really done since NXT or anything like that. Uh, mm-hmm. it, was a, it was a different pace, a little bit of a different style. And these two obviously worked pretty well together. Uh, yeah. This went about 12 minutes. Uh, I never for a second thought that Jordan Devlin was going to beat him. So it really no. came as no surprise when Finn eventually got the better of him, hit the dropkick in the corner, hit the coup de grace, and uh, the coup de grace and pinned him. I think if anything, the coup de gras. I think if anything, it'll make Devlin like angrier, mm-hmm. um, and so so he'll be able to separate himself by just like being more angry. Yes, yeah, because he's already a pretty angry dude. But there's there's more in him. I feel yeah. it. Maybe he'll start saying he's the best wrestler who still lives in Ireland, just to mm. stick it to Finn, because obviously he doesn't live there anymore. Or maybe he'll say he's a true Irishman. Oh, right. Mm-hmm. Finn's moved on to America. Who'd want to move there? He's, right? He's the American. <laughs> um, so they did their here's who's in the crowd shot for mm-hmm. Luke Menzies, who is a guy who's been on NXT proper TV once or twice. Okay. He was a rugby player uh, from 2007 to 2017. The crowd made... Zero noise for this man. I didn't know who he was. No. I hope he's good, because mm-hmm. there's there's enough of the people in the bottom of the pile in NXT UK where they don't need mm-hmm. more of those guys. They need more top guys than they need middle of the pack or bottom of the pack guys. Um, a no DQ match, Eddie Dennis and Bomber Dave Mastiff. This went about 11 minutes. And that was too long. You think so? Yeah, this I, didn't grab me. I feel like it went an okay length. Yeah. Uh, I didn't went... care about these guys. No? Uh, no. I, I don't know. For some reason, it it worked for me. And I actually really am not a fan of the WWE hardcore matches. Uh, mm-hmm. A million chairs, a million ladders, a million tables. At least they didn't do that. They had like no. They had they moved the stairs into the middle of the ring somehow. Yes, like, <laughs> they had. They had a. They had the bottom portion of the steel steps. They yep. there was one cane, there was one chair, and there was one table, and then they yeah. worked with those things. But they didn't add a bunch of things, and they didn't do any really complex. Uh, spots. What it really boiled down to, the story I kind of felt was Eddie Dennis convinced of his superiority, trying to hit his power moves on Dave Mastiff, uh, like his running crucifix bomb. He was able mm-hmm. to hold Mastiff up in the air, which was very impressive, but he couldn't run with them. Yes. So he just power bombed yeah. him. Uh, and he did this several times, like his legs buckling. You could see his knees wobbling as he's trying yeah. to lift this man. But he successfully lifted him. Every time. Uh, actually, you know, the thing that really blew my mind is Mastiff near the end does this um, double springboard into a moonsault that he yeah. misses. And I was like, holy crap. I didn't think he could do that. 
Uh, I was blown away. I'm always impressed when tall guys can do flips. (laughs) Yes. Um, (laughs) Or tall people, I guess I should say. Well, I mean, in this case, it was Mastiff who was like Dozovich-sized. He was short and round. Um, Right. Oh, it was Mastiff. I'm sorry. Yeah, he did the the moonsault. I mean, that's like seeing Otis do a flip. That's crazy. I think Otis could do one. Give Give him a year. I think he could, too. Again, these guys, Mastiff and Dozovich, need to be a team. The wrecking balls. Can we put Hanson in there, too? Oh, my God. From the War Raiders? Yes, what a three-man team that would be. I mean, that would... Oh, my God, they would be incredible. They would be awesome. Um, So the finish saw uh, Eddie Dennis trying to hit his crucifix bomb one more time on Mastiff to try to run him into the corner and put him through the table. But this time his legs buckled and they gave out. And Mastiff gave him a headbutt and then hit his flying cannonball thingy into Dennis, into the table. This table sounded like it was made of glass, the sound it made when it broke. (laughs) I don't know what they broke in this table, but it didn't sound exactly like wood to me. But Mastiff pinned him and uh, got the win. and And the story story here was that the first time both of these men met, they were both undefeated and Mastiff beat him. So Eddie Dennis wants to take away from Mastiff the thing that Mastiff took away from him, his, his undefeated oh. run. Uh, but he was unable to. Mastiff remains uh, undefeated. Undefeated. So uh, you didn't care for this as much? No. No. Just didn't no. work? Surprisingly. Two big dudes clubbering on each other? Yeah, not my thing. Also, I think the no DQ thing kind of, like, I don't like it. No, it's not no. my it's not my style of match either. I know a lot of people were raving about the uh, Charlotte and Becky last woman standing match. They had at evolution. But I mean, I, I that was a good match. See, I recognize that it was good, but I didn't like it as much as other people liked it because I just don't like those kinds of matches. They just are. I, I don't know. Yeah, I like rules. Yeah, they don't do it. They don't do it for yeah. me, I guess. <laughs> um, if If done the right way. Uh, with the right story, it's got to be the right story. Like Gargano and yeah. Champa's no DQ yep. matches, um, all all worked for me. Although they, uh, I liked all three of them, but I kind they're kind of like the Jurassic Park movies for me. Like the first one was the best, the second one was good, but not as great as the first one, and the third one was not as good as the second one. At least for yep. me, I think. Although the third Gargano Champa match was nowhere near as bad as Jurassic Park three, so I just like to make that clear. <laughs> uh, back to the crowd, and they showed the uh, the alpha female Jazzy Gabbert and Kaylee Ray, who were both uh, people who were in the first May Young Classic. Uh, mm. The crowd really liked Jazzy because she's the big scary one, who looks like she okay. has like a mohawk. She's big and scary. Uh, and Kaylee Ray is just a really... I'm actually surprised they got her. I wasn't sure if she was going to come to WWE. There's a lot of places for people to sign right now. Uh, But she's really good. She is one of the best unsigned female wrestlers in the UK, so they picked up a good one there. Uh, Let me see. Okay, women's match, the women's title match. Uh, Rhea Ripley defending against Tony Storm. This one went about uh, 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tony Storm winning the title after hitting her powerbomb. And yeah. I, 
this was for me this was the match that I wasn't all that into okay interesting I did like it I thought it because didn't was this the match I might be mixing things up mm-hmm. didn't um Rhea Ripley hit her finisher move like three or four times and she like tried to hit it three or four she times tried she, to, she yeah. only hit it once but and Tony kicked I out thought, of it yeah and I thought it was kind of impressive though because like you see like I don't know just like in stature mm-hmm. like you just think Rhea's gonna kill Tony Yes. And I just think that she's she's a lot scrappier than I guess I gave her credit for initially. So mm-hmm. I thought that was cool. I was really happy to see. Obviously, we talked uh, last week about the incident with Tony that happened with mm-hmm. uh, uh, her and social media and the Internet and things like that. It was nice to see her very warmly welcomed here. And the yeah. crowd was really behind her. And when she won, uh, there was a lot of emotion there. I'm sure yeah. some of it was coming from going through this crap. Um, mm-hmm. Some of it's just from she's worked a really long time and this is where she wants to be. Uh, yes. And this is a getting a title is, uh, you know, like being promoted to lead actor. You're given you're given a ball, essentially. And you're put in essentially you're put at the head of the line when it comes to performers. So, uh, no, and I think it's I think it's awesome. And I that feud is going to be fantastic for the you know until the next one yeah the next time they meet i think it's going to be so so great because i think the two of them are just going to like yes um yeah. ria reminds me a lot of uh bianca pete dunn. well oh. i don't know we talked about <laughs> pete dunn in the in the whole uh mannerisms department they, uh, they got the same snarl it's they fantastic sure do. Uh, but no, as a performer, she reminds me kind of okay. of Bianca in that I see all of the potential in Rhea. Yes. Uh, personally, for my tastes, I thought they did because they saw basically they saw her performance in the Mae Young Classic and she mm-hmm. had to step in when Tegan Knox got injured. Uh, she wasn't supposed to face Io Shirai in the semifinals. It was right. supposed to be Tegan Knox. And Rhea went in there on short notice with Io Shirai and had a really good match. And I think that's the thing that they're like, oh, my goodness. And yeah. they decided they're going to, you know, put a rocket on her and take her to the moon. I thought it was too much too soon for her. Like, I don't know if she was really ready to be the head of a division of a new uh, of a new brand, uh, which is why her reign, I think, I think they maybe recognized it, too, which is maybe why her run didn't go all that long. And, yes. they, and they put it on Tony Storm. Uh, well, yeah, she's going to keep getting better, of, though. Oh yeah, for sure. And I think I, I think Tony Storm was the the one who should have won it all along, just from mm-hmm. her momentum and how well known she is, and all this and that. Um, it's kind of like Pete Dunne um, having the UK belt from Tyler or winning it from Tyler Bate. Like you just put it on the back of these people who yes. you know can carry it. Yes. Uh, Charlotte Flair was shown in the crowd. There was a large woo. <laughs> for Charlotte. Uh, and then we got the UK Championship main event, Pete Dunne defending against Joe Coffey. Yeah. This match went 34 minutes and 15 oh. seconds. Oh, this was long. This was very, very long. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I thought this match went way too long, I think. Uh, yes. Like, I think this match should have been, at maximum, 20 minutes. 
I think they went almost 15 minutes too long. Uh, Yeah. I felt at points, um, it's one of, I don't know, it's one of those, uh, it's one of those things. It's like one of those feelings. Like there were, to me, a couple of times where it felt like the crowd peaked and it's like, okay, this is it. Like they've built to a fever pitch. This is when you take it home. They're going nuts. And then they didn't. And then everything sunk back down again for a while. And I will give them credit by the end. They did get them, even though uh, I don't. Things got weird at the end. Uh, there were these, there were these two spots in a row where Coffee goes to the top rope, and uh-huh. Pete Dunn meets him up there. Yep. And honestly, I th- here's what I think. I think the plan was to do something off of the top into the ring. I don't know if it was like. Pete does the finger break spot and he somehow does like a bitter end off of the top or something. But coffee clearly loses his balance the first time and falls all the way down to the floor, which is scary. Right. Uh, Mm -hmm. But he seemed to be okay. Pete Dunn goes out there, throws him back in. They do something for a minute, like a transition. And then coffee goes back up again. Right. And then Pete goes back up again. And then this time they both fall down. And I think this, and I, some people said they thought the spot was supposed to be that they both are supposed to both fly off. But the mm. second time, it looks like Coffee is losing his balance, too. I've seen spots where two guys are supposed to go off together to the outside, and they both uh-huh. launch it. None of them ever look like they're falling. That looks right. like they're purposefully going. And, and so it's actually... Um, my fiance who I was watching this, he said the same exact thing. He's like, clearly whatever they're trying to do there is not working. I hope they just move on now. Yep. That's my, my, I was literally (laughs) talking to my screen saying, just move on. Don't try it again. (laughs) It's not working. This is not good. Just go, go to the finish, go home. Um, and this is where they got the crowd back because Pete did throw him back into the ring. He hit the bitter end again, a second time. And Coffee kicked out again. And the crowd really was like, holy crap, he kicked out of it twice. Uh, Pete rolled him over. He snapped his finger, bent his pointer finger back, and Coffee tapped out. Which was dumb. They should have just let Pete Dunn have the uh, pin. Just hit his move. Yeah, they wanted to make yeah. they wanted to make Coffee look strong, I guess, in defeat. But um, my criticism of this, I love Pete Dunn. And nothing that I disliked about this match was Pete Dunne's fault. I just don't right, think right. I just don't think Joe Coffey is like a main event guy. Like I don't think this is his. Yeah. Like he did not shine here. People who I listened to afterwards who follow the UK mm-hmm. stuff, like some UK wrestling podcasts I listen to, uh, they okay. know more about they know more about the UK than I do and watch shows regularly. And they said this was, like, not the first time that Joe Coffey had uh, choked in, like, a big match. Oh. So, like, there have been other big matches um, in front of, like, big crowds at their, uh, like, his home promotions and stuff where um, he also failed to perform to, a, to like, top level. So, okay. um, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I don't well, know. I mean, what it did just, you think? He... Yeah, it, I agree that it went, it went too long. The ebb and flow was just too much. Um, so, I don't know. They should, There was too many... I think there were, like, almost too many high points where, like, it dropped the energy so fast and there was, like, a rush. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I agree that maybe Joe Coffey wasn't the best one to put up against Pete Dunne, but the build-up to it was really great. So um, I think they did a good job there. Yeah. So um, I don't know. I think I don't think it'll be him going up against again for the title for a while. I think they'll switch um, storylines. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, mm-hmm. With NXT, Especially with the ending. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, with NXT. They don't do this in WWE. Right. Uh, with NXT, though, because Triple H, he's he's hip. Jacqueline, he's with it, with the kids. And he knows the kids these days, they love their Marvel movies. They and do. what happens in Marvel movies? There's end credit scenes. Yep. And they do this a lot in NXT where they... Is that why they do this, really? Yes, yes. Uh, it's it's gotta be right because they (laughs) at the end of every wwe show you've ever watched they have the little graphic in the lower right or the lower left hand of the screen it's got like the logo of the show and it's like you know wwe productions copyright 2019 whatever it is all rights reserved yada yada that's at the end of every show and pete dunn is celebrating and they throw this up on the screen and then they throw up the graphic to watch afterwards for the Nigel McGuinness documentary, which I actually mean to watch, but I haven't had a chance to watch <laughs> yet. But that's when the show is supposed to go off the air, Jacqueline. But it it does not. No. The show keeps can, going. The show continues. Pete Dunn is celebrating in the ring when maybe the greatest thing in my entire life happened, Jacqueline. Antonin Dvorak's Ninth Symphony plays. Which Holy crap. Enough. That was enough for me. As we all know... I was angry when they removed this theme song from Marcel Bartel because that's his theme. But it is also the theme of his friend and my friend, Walter. <laughs> I mean, I don't know Walter personally, but I feel like he's my friend. He, okay. the, the crowd instantly knew what this was. Right. I, I instantly knew what it was. I actually got goosebumps. I was so excited for this. <laughs> Walter comes out. The crowd is going crazy they're singing his song he menacingly walks to the ring a giant scary austrian man with his big fascist-esque trench coat that he's wearing yes that says the ring general on the back and he gets up on the ring apron and then you can see the size difference actually between these two guys walter's not he's not like eight feet tall but he is significantly larger than pete dunn yeah, as I say, he's big enough. And they go to meet each other face-to-face when Joe Coffey gets up on the ring apron. As if to mm-hmm. say, hey guys, don't forget about me. I'm still here. <laughs> he gets into the ring and Walter kicks his face off. Um, there's an adorable <laughs> child in the front row that is leaning over the railing, pointing down at Joe Coffey. Apparently, uh, I presume, saying naughty words at him. Uh, but yeah. This child looked like he was seven years old. Um, Probably, yeah. Having fun at the wrestling show. Uh, But then Walter and Pete Dunne, they go face to face. And (laughs) what happened next only only would be considered great in the weird world of pro wrestling. Okay. I missed this this last part then because I think it cut off after Walter just comes out and they stare at each other. Well, because what what they do next isn't really much of anything, but I thought it was tremendous because it's pro wrestling. So much like in nature, Jacqueline, the the primal nature of, of beasts in the wild, 
Uh, often when, when trying to mate or fighting for a piece of territory, uh, animals, alpha males, will present at each other. They will roar or feathers will be raised <laughs> or something. And that is what happened here. But instead, oh, of, Lord. instead of a mate, Jacqueline, it's the NXT UK Women's Championship that both of these men want. So Walter does his pose at Pete Dunne. Very seriously, <laughs> Pete Dunne looks back at him, slowly takes the belt off of his shoulder, puts it into his mouth, and he poses right back at Walter. And the crowd <laughs> knows that this means that these two men will fight. Yes. And they're chanting NXT wildly. Walter just acknowledges Pete Dunne's pose as an excellent pose, and he <laughs> walks to the back as Pete Dunne's music plays. I thought this was awesome. <laughs> I mean, this was goofy. This is goofy pro wrestling. Like this nobody in a goofy pro wrestling. Yeah, nobody in a real fight would ever do this. But no. this is the over-the-top Shakespearean nature <laughs> of wrestling, where it's true. No real actor would shout so loudly and emote so much in a play, but you do in Shakespeare because that's Shakespeare. Right. He was over the top. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so it sounds super ridiculous. But if you love quirky, ridiculous things, I mean, this was, to me, this was fantastic. And they don't fight. It was pretty cool. Yeah, and you don't want to see them fight right away, because, you know, you got to save that. You got to save that for, like, the next takeover or whatever, so. Yeah, got to build to it. Yeah, I wasn't a gigantic fan of the main event, but that Walter segment at the end, I don't know if you could tell, Jacqueline, but it really fired me up. Yeah, it really did it for me. (laughs) So they did it, turn it around for Yeah. I mean, I had tweeted out something halfway through this match where I said that the perfect ending for this would be Bartel and Eichner, like, cornering him. This this is similar to when Adam Cole debuted in NXT, when uh, Kyle O'Reilly and Bobby Fish cornered Drew McIntyre, and Adam Cole came from behind and attacked Drew. And that was the formation of the Undisputed Era in NXT. And I'm like, well, this is perfect because Bartel and Walter were tag team partners and now he's teaming with Eichner. So they could maybe at some point, it sounds like they're actually bringing him in as a baby face at first. I imagine they're going to want to try to turn him heel. And this is all well and good uh, because Walter is his big imposing force. But Pete Mm -hmm. Dunne is uh, this tremendous uh, wrestler and fighter who has survived over 600 days as champion, which is unheard of in WWE land. He's probably going to be a two-year champion or close to it uh, by the time he defends against Walter. And I am not going to be the least surprised to see uh, Walter win the title and become the new dominant champion. In fact, that was sort of his character uh, on the independence before coming here was that he would go from company to company and he would win yeah. their world title and no one could beat him. Oh, it was basically what his character was. He was just a gigantic like wall and no Force one could of defeat nature. him. Yeah. Uh, so, right. so this, I thought this was awesome. Uh, what did you think of the show as a whole? I, as a whole, I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd probably give it about a three and a half. Okay. Um, I thought the, uh, the opening match was tremendous. I thought it was the the best match on the show. Mm -hmm. I would agree with that. I have determined that mustache mountain could wrestle anybody and it would be awesome. Yep. 
I mean, they could wrestle you and me, Jacqueline, and I think it would be pretty good. They drag yeah, something out of us. They would make us look good. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They're tremendous. So uh, I thought that was the match of the show. The Finn Balor thing. He had a good match, uh, but the whole surprise in him coming out was a, a bigger highlight. That reaction yes. was ridiculous. It uh, really was. So that was all good. Uh, the The last three matches were not the best things on the show, but Tony Storm's uh, win was a happy moment. And there were parts of that Joe Coffey Pete Dunn match that were very good. I just feel like you know they had their moment and then they went past it. But yeah. then it was all regained with Walter. I need to I need to keep my calm because just that ending makes me want to say let's just give it five. But I'm not going to do it. I'm going to be a little more rational about it. I'm giving the show a four. I thought it was a really good show. Okay. Uh, a good showing. I don't think it will be as good as the UK, or I don't think it'll be as good as the Takeover Phoenix show. Uh, right. I don't no, think, I agree with that. I don't think this was as good as any of the Takeover shows from last year, actually. Uh, but, I mean, that's because those shows are all really incredible. Uh, I have noticed that trend, though. I thought the War Games match, I thought that went really long, too. Uh, yeah. It, it can work I think it's just some something cases. they do sometimes. Yeah, they want to they want to shoot for the epic match, and they think that it needs to be at least thirty minutes. And it it usually does if you want something to be epic, but you need the the right the right combination of people. I don't think they had it with Joe Coffey and Pete Dunne here, but um, it was it was not bad. It just uh, I think it missed the mark. I agree with that. Okay, so uh, that's the show for this week head on over to cinemageekly.com to check out the archives of the show and of course you can find us on apple Podcasts, google play and stitcher just search for what comes nxt and hit subscribe and uh, that way you can hear us come back next week right we're we coming back next week we are right yes we're coming back next week we're coming back next week to talk episode 487 of nxt i believe featuring cassius ono versus keith lee in a match for respect jacqueline 